Welcome, friends, to Merit's Musings. This is a podcast for educators in the very broadest sense. I'm a public school teacher and a youth minister in my church and a parent. I've dedicated my life to helping people grow and learn. And I'm something of a writer and a poet, someone who loves language, both for its artistry and also its power. In this podcast, I'm going to explore some of my informal thoughts on what it means to be human, especially in the context of being an educator, a minister, and a parent. Often, I'll orient my musings around a poem I love, because any time I spend talking about poetry is time well spent in my book. I might also talk a bit about my dogs. If you're not the type of person who enjoys a little random dog talk, this may not be the podcast for you. I invite you to join the conversation. Feel free to write me with your thoughts and feedback. My contact information is on our website, meritsmusings.buzzsprout.com, and on my Facebook page. And now, this week's episode. For this episode, I chose a Walt Whitman poem, excerpts from Song of the Open Road. So here we go. One. Afoot and lighthearted, I take to the open road, healthy, free, the world before me, the long brown path before me, leading wherever I choose. Henceforth, I shall not ask, Good fortune. I myself am good fortune. Henceforth, I shall whimper no more, postpone no more, need nothing. Done with indoor complaints, libraries, querulous criticisms, strong and content, I travel the open road. The earth, that is sufficient. I do not want the constellations any nearer. I know they are very well where they are. I know they suffice for those who belong to them. Still, here I carry my old, delicious burdens. I carry them, men and women. I carry them with me wherever I go. I swear it is impossible for me to get rid of them. I am filled with them, and I will fill them in return. 6. Now, if a thousand perfect men were to appear, it would not amaze me. Now, if a thousand beautiful forms of women appeared, would not astonish me. Now I see the secret of the making of the best persons. It is to grow in the open air and to eat and to sleep with the earth. Here, as a great personal deed has room, such a deed seizes upon the hearts of the whole race of men. Its effusion of strength and will overwhelms law and mocks all authority and all argument against it. Here is the test of wisdom. Wisdom is not finally tested in schools. Wisdom not, cannot be passed from one having have it to another not having it. Wisdom is of the soul. It is not susceptible for proof. It is its own proof. Wisdom applies to all stages and objects and qualities and is content. It is the certainty of the reality and the immortality of things and the excellence of things. Something there is in the float of the sight of things that provokes it out of the soul. Now, I re-examine philosophies and religions. They may prove well in lecture rooms, yet not prove at all under the spacious clouds and along the landscape and flowing curtains. Here is realization. Here is a man tallied. He realizes here what he has in him. The past, the future, majesty, love. If they're vacant of you... You are vacant of them. 
Only the kernel of every object nourishes. Where is he who tears off the husks for you and me? Where is he that undergoes stratagems and envelopes for you and me? Here is adhesiveness. It is not previously fashioned, it is apropos. Do you know what it is as you pass to be loved by strangers? You know the talk of those turning eyeballs. Spring has come to Florida. And when spring comes to Florida and life bursts out of even its temporary Florida dormancy, I think of Walt Whitman and his effusiveness and just the outpouring of his words. I have trouble reading Whitman slowly because as I read, it's like being on a horse. It just keeps galloping faster and faster and faster. And the words overwhelm and they surround and this great burst of life and energy that he's got in him just leaps off the page and, and overwhelms me in the most delicious sort of ways. Uh, I wish I had the energy and amplitude uh, to face life so fully as Walt Whitman does. Uh, and I, sometimes I'm standing in my room teaching my students, and they're so jaded, and they're so tired, and life is so stressful and I just think, where's, where's Walt Whitman here? We need Walt to fire us up. The world is so full of so many amazing things. And yet, I often wonder if perhaps we're moving past the age of astonishment. If we have so many wonders, so many miracles, we can accomplish so much that we've lost the ability to be amazed by a star, be stunned by a flower to be overwhelmed by a screeching hawk. It is a strange poverty we have in our largesse, in our prosperity. Uh, and Walt Whitman calls to me and says to me and to you and to everyone, there is so much more out there. Go find it. Education of some degree is an intellectual traveling, right? You go through your books, through your discussions, into new realms of thought, into different times and places in history, taking on different personas and emotions in English, exploring science through the language of mathematics. You're always an excellent education being moved from your world into this larger world, intellectually and emotionally. But that's not quite the same as doing it physically, which is why I love it when I can take my students out of our little classroom and walk up to a tree and write about a tree or go sit in the stadium or go sit on a curb and remember that there is a much greater world that we can be physically present in than our little box. And I'm not going to spend the time talking about the power of travel or lamenting the fact that I travel too little in the physical world. Uh, but I, this does remind me as spring hits and I read my Whitman that there's so much more that I haven't seen still. There's so much more that my students haven't seen and I want to see it. And I want my students to see it. And I want my children to see it. Um, and I want to share these grand experiences with my wife. Uh, in the poem, he says he still carries his old delicious burdens. Uh, and of course, what he's really talking about there is the sorrows that have made him him and how those relationships that have been filled with joy, but also awkwardness and grief 
all of that goes with him because we never kick free entirely of the world we come from when we travel. We go out in a hero's journey and we come back in that hero's journey with new ideas. But in terms of education, what I really get excited about this idea that uh, I see the secret of making the best persons is to grow in the open air. And as I mentioned, I love it when I can get my students out of the classroom. And every teacher knows that we must connect what we learn in the classroom to the world outside uh, and answer that dreaded question that the students ask from their bitter cynicalness, when will we ever use this? And of course, we have answers, and those answers are not often accepted, but that's what we must do, always and forever connect. As a man of faith, I think one of the great challenges in spirituality right now is making, helping people, not making, helping people realize how important spirituality and faith is. Again, to go back to an earlier point, we have so many miracles, so many incredible advances in medicine and technology. We can move so fast and lift so much and see so far uh, that in some ways we have become gods through our technology, right? Uh, just take I don't know, Google Maps and realize I can now see everything, really, through satellite imagery, right? I can I never need to be lost. I always know where I am. I always know where I'm headed. And I can peek into other people's backyards. I am the eye in the sky, omnipotent vision. So in a world like that, where all power seems to be connected to electronics and more than satisfying, where is the need for the spiritual? Where's the need for the holy? Where's the need for the relationships that transcend the material? That's a great question and a question that I think we all need to wrestle with and figure out how to communicate, especially those of you out there who, like me, believe that there's so much that is real and important in the non-material world, and yet, how do we translate that and communicate that to other people? The last thing I wanted to touch base on is this section towards the end that I read that says, here is the test of wisdom. Wisdom is not finally tested in schools. This is the part where teachers have the hardest challenge because school becomes a universe in and of itself, right? We test and we prepare for the tests. And then with the tests, we then make changes about how to do the tests and then we get this cycle of standardized testing and assessments that becomes the end of instruction. And instead of the assessment being a measurement that reflects reality, what we often call validity in the testing world, it becomes its own inherent test, its own inherent validity. The test becomes valuable because we test, and because we test, we then know that the test is important. And as long as we can attach numbers to people in various ways that are meaningful, supposedly, to various other people who buy into the concept of testing, then we never need to leave that closed loop. And yet, as teachers, we also know that tests aren't the answer, that you can't just test your way to great education. You can't just test your way to full human beings. You can't just test your way to any real accomplishment 
that matters in 20 or 30 years. You have to do education. You have to do inspiration. You have to do connection and support and understanding and challenge and stress and all these things. And the best testing will do is give you a sense for whether or not you've been successful. And yet, maybe all you've done is succeed in helping them test better. I'm on this rant, of course, because it's spring in Florida, which means for the next month and a half, all my students are going to be thinking about and doing are testing. And my poor sophomores have maybe five major standardized tests that they have to accomplish. Uh, my poor juniors, depending on the number of AP classes they're taking, have two to five incredibly important high-stakes tests. And everything seems to be based on can I hit the numbers and satisfy the testing gods in some way. And yet Whitman yells out, bellowing in the ways that only he can, here is the test of wisdom. Wisdom is not finally tested in schools. Wisdom cannot be passed from one having it to another not having it. Wisdom is of the soul. It is not susceptible to proof. It is his own proof. And that, I think, is very challenging. Because a great teacher doesn't give knowledge under the recognition that knowledge doesn't get, can't be handed off. It's not a, a, a bagel that you can spread with cream cheese and then hand to another person. What a great teacher does, what a great parent does, is set up the experiences that allow the child to discover something real in themselves and the world around. And in that discovery, they own it in ways that they would never possess something when it's just handed to them. Right? That is the great power of the medieval apprentice model of just constantly working a set of skills over and over again under a master until you've built mastery, which goes on another rant about how our education system and its endless testing have taken away all opportunities for that manual tactile. Thank God we still have pottery classes and uh, sculpture classes that will allow students to still realize that their fingers and their palms are tools as powerful in understanding the world as their mind. Uh, so with all of that, I say to every one of you, get outside. Go traveling, if only to travel to the end of the block. Leash up your dog and go for a walk. Go explore this amazing world that God has built around us. Uh, every piece of it is much more rich and more complex than you will ever be able to process fully. So go explore it and see if somewhere out there, there might be something like wisdom that you can acquire. Take care of yourself, guys.